is Bloomberg Surveillance. Brexit, if they vote to exit, would definitely be a vote against free trade, a vote against globalization. The Fed could be operating on a hope and prayer, which they've been doing for the better part of the past six years. They were always just one quarter away from escape velocity, but the markets are sending a different signal. The relationship between interest rates and gold can be quite ambiguous, and in the past, at times, a Fed interest rate hikes, gold has done quite well. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKeon, Tom Keen. Michael McKeon, hour away from an interview with Dennis Lockhart of the Atlanta Fed. They will look at Atlanta GDP now, Atlanta Wage Tracker. Maybe they'll even look at the Atlanta Braves. Michael McKee with Dennis Lockhart. And then on to 12 noon and what was an important speech by Chair Yellen has become critically important. And I will say the tape this morning is nicely calmer than what we saw on Friday. Uh, just a couple data check items, 107.10 on yen. It is a weaker yen off of the massive strength Friday. And I'd note Sterling off of a number of Brexit polls in favor of Brexit was much weaker earlier and has got a little bit of a bid uh, right now. Bloomberg Surveillance, brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. Is your business ready to break through? See other professionals at Cone Resnick can help guide your business forward. Find out more at ConeResnick.com. Michael, a perfect guest to speak to. After the dynamic stochastic movements of Friday, a man who likes to model the economy, he brought in his uh, tester's glue here and tried to put uh, the whole uh, Fed rate increase thing back together again. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of fell to Rich Clarida, uh, who is a global strategic advisor at Pacific Income Management <coughs> Company, uh, here based on the Atlantic side, and also a professor at Columbia University. How? How do you put uh, Humpty Dumpty together again if you're Janet Yellen today? How do you avoid the impression that the markets are going to dictate what you do? Well, she's trying to thread a needle there, uh, Mike. She says she's data dependent, uh, and so market reaction to data like the soft payrolls we got Friday uh, is a factor uh, in the Fed. They talk about financial uh, conditions. So in the language of, of mathematics, this is the Fed that's looking for a fixed point. They're looking for some balance between what they want to do, what the data supports, and what the markets uh, expect. I think her timing is good to schedule this speech uh, after after payrolls. We've had a lot of Fed speak for the last uh, six weeks uh, or so. So, yeah, all eyes on the chair's remarks this afternoon. Well, before we say how does she do it, I guess we should ask you what you think she should do. Yeah. Well, no, I think I think the Fed began a rate hike cycle uh, in uh, December. Uh, obviously, it's it's a tricky communications challenge. It's the first rate hike cycle, I think, at least in my lifetime, where they're hiking rates, even though they want inflation to be going up. Typically, the Fed hikes to reduce uh, inflation. Their argument is that uh, after inflation, the real cost of borrowing is still negative. Policy is still uh, accommodative. But, yes, I think the Fed should continue a very gradual rate hike cycle uh, this year. Uh, I think that that is their baseline case, a couple more hikes uh, this year. Yeah. There is a beautiful 40-page monograph out of the New York Fed on the alchemy at hand. And as I knew, folks, I knew this before I went to page 42 uh, of it. Clarida Golly Gertler, 1999, The Science of Monetary Policy, A New Keynesian Perspective. Not so much after what we saw Friday. But where we are now, the great distortions that we're all living in, whether we can do the math or not, is Clara Golly Gertler 1999 
at work, or do you have to amend it so much where you question the underlying precepts of DSGE? I think that's a great question. I've thought about it. I've spoken to a lot of policymakers about it. I've gotten yeah. it from them. Uh, you know, Clarita Gallagher, thank you for the citation, was a simple three-equation a model useful for teaching and getting insight. I think any macro model needs at least three equations, so I'd start with Good, those. I'll go with but, that. But Strong obviously, but, but the global economy and the U.S. economy, especially the linkage between macro and finance, is much more complex than that three-equation model. So I certainly would begin with CGG. I certainly wouldn't end there. I think it's a starting point, but it's not a complete analysis of the economy. How sure. does Janet Yellen use Clarita Gallagher? This is an important question, folks. Yeah. I say it with great respect. I happen as an amateur to strongly agree with Professor Clarita that you need three equations. It goes back to Lagrangian functions, and we can't, Mike, we can't do Lagrangian functions on Monday. There just are a as lot a of people out there that are very <clears throat> happy you just said. I had Lambda for dinner uh, last night. Now, within that, Professor, is the basic idea of a respect for behavioral economics and the shocks of the finance system. How does Janet Yellen use the foundations that you built and others built? Yeah, sure. In the real policymaking well, world today. We built on John Taylor and Mike Woodford, many others for sure. And it wasn't just us. I think that Yellen and the Fed and most of the world's major uh, central banks uh, recognize and have put a lot of effort into better understanding financial macro uh, languages. They're also much more focused, and I think appropriately so, on the robustness of their analysis. They want to know if we get this wrong, what does the left tail look like? And I think that's also an important uh, advance over sort of the uh, view of the great moderation going into this. So, again, the, the Fed has uh, very elaborate uh, models. They spend a lot of time trying to understand macro uh, and uh, finance, and I think they're focused on robustness perhaps more than in the past, and that's appropriate. They don't particularly like to say our models are wrong, but a number of Fed officials have said uh, semi-publicly or, or privately to me that one of the problems they've had with the DSG models they use is they don't incorporate financial markets very well. Right. And if you're trying to figure out the left tail, how do you do that then? Yeah. Especially when you get different kinds of market reactions to seemingly similar events. Absolutely. And I think they, the Fed has gone down a couple of different paths, uh, which I think are complementary. Uh, the first is both the Fed and uh, the U.S. government more broadly is trying to make at least the banking part of the financial system much more robust, better capitalized, more streamlined in terms of financing. So part of it is simply <clears throat> to get a better handle on, on banks and the financial system. But as I said, the Fed and other central banks are improving and making their models okay. more elaborate with regard to the financial but, and, sector. And, folks, please stay with us on this. This is a really serious conversation involving too much theory for a Monday. If I go from Clara to Golly Gertler of 1999, yeah. and I go to 2003, Michael Woodford, who you mentioned from Princeton, yeah. uh, did you hire him? Were you responsible uh, for him migrating north? Well, I, I was no longer chair at that point. I was a faculty member, but certainly was an eager, eager uh, endorser Wonderful. of that Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And Gaudi Eggertson as well, the zero bound. Yeah. Does your world or Woodford's world or Yellen or Lockhart's world work? At the zero bound, well, convince me. Sure, no, that, and of course, not surprisingly, that that's the, that's the money question, Tom. The, all of the the pre-crisis apparatus 
gave very little attention to the zero bound. Indeed, there's a famous paper by John Williams at the San Francisco Fed that essentially said, we don't have to ignore the zero bound. We have to worry about it because we won't hit it very often. Well, we've hit it now oh, repeatedly and, and, and most, almost certainly in the next downturn, downturn whenever it is, uh, we'll hit it again. In a world where the underlying neutral policy rate is low and where inflation is low, we're not in a world of a, of a normal funds rate of 5%. We're in a world of a normal funds rate maybe in the 2% range. So you're going to hit the zero bound. And that means that once you do, you're doing quantitative easing. You're doing forward guidance. In some countries, they're actually going to negative rate. So absolutely, it changes the whole Yellen and central bank approach to thinking about policy, knowing that you're most likely going to hit the zero bound in the next downturn. Well, one of the issues or, or questions that comes up about Mr. Woodford's advice, and we went out to Jackson Hole for the Fed yeah. conference a couple of years ago, and he did a great paper on you know how forward guidance would help, and so the Fed in, implemented it and argues that it helped, and now they don't seem to be able to get out of it. There seems to be a page missing from Woodford, uh, and that is what you do when you want to go the other direction how, what kind of guidance you give because the markets seem to be terribly confused. Well, I think, I think Chair Yellen and, and Stan Fish and the others would like forward guidance to work in both directions. When they want rates to be at zero or, or unchanged, they want to give guidance. They've been trying to give guidance on a Fed liftoff, that, but as you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. The challenge is as they're giving guidance on liftoff, the markets simply don't believe it. So the Fed, for example, in December said they're going to hike four times this year. I think I was on your show. I said, that's not a prediction. That's an aspiration. They're not going to hike. So the challenge they have is that as they give guidance that's on the more aggressive end, the markets just simply discount it uh, okay. and ignore it. I'm going to come back on this. Yeah. This is absolutely critical, and yeah. we're honored that you're here today. Oh, sure. Well, why can't they do one and done? Why I, I don't understand why a vector must be established. Well, that, I think the narrow answer to that is they could do one and done. I think the, the broader answer is they don't want to do one and done. Because it sets up an asymmetric risk to the downside. It sets up an asymmetric risk to the downside. And again, their view of the world, we can question it, their view of the world, as Stan Fisher has said many times, including mm-hmm. on Bloomberg, we have a very accommodative policy. After December, we still right. have a very accommodative policy. Under our liftoff path, policy is going to be accommodative until the year 2018. Uh, at least because they have the yeah. real interest rate is negative until 2018. This is fabulous. Richard Clarida with us with PIMCO, of course, associated with Columbia University Economics for years. We are absolutely thrilled that he's here to give Michael McKee a briefing before he speaks with Dennis exactly. Lockhart of Atlanta. And then, of course, on to the important uh, Janet Yellen speech. You'll see Chair Yellen's speech. 12 noon today on Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. Futures up five. Clarida single-handedly lifted the equity markets this morning. Futures up five this morning. Time now to check out world and national headlines. And for that, we bring in John Tucker. All right, uh, Michael and Tom, Tropical Storm Colin gaining speed and strength as it gets ready to strike Florida later today. The winds right now about 50 miles an hour. The center of calm expected to approach the coast of the Florida Big Bend area this afternoon or this evening. Hillary Clinton goes into Tuesday's California primary, needing just 26 more delegates to clinch the Democratic presidential nomination at a rally last night in a state she warned of a contentious campaign ahead. And Goldman Sachs may not have had the best luck when it came to trade recommendations this year. Maybe its economists will have more success with soccer, with the Euro 2016 tournament set to kick off in the Paris suburbs June 10th. Goldman economist led by Jan Hatzi is predicting victory for host nation France. 
Uh, Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker. Mike and Tom. John, thanks so much. Abram tweets in. He says, do the math. Okay, pi equals the expectation of a summation of beta, sigma s plus mu. Don't do the math. I think it's an Euler. It's an Euler equation. Bloomberg surveillance. The news update brought to you by Land Rover Parsippany. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverParsippany.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD. Land Rover, above and beyond. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are extending their gains this morning, and so is NYMEX crude oil. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures have improved since the last time we spoke, with Dow futures currently higher by 54 points. SB futures gained five and a half, and NASDAQ futures rise by 12. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.72%. And in Europe, the U.K. gains 1%. Germany is little changed. On the U.S. economic front at 10 o'clock, labor market conditions index, and Yellen speaks in Philadelphia at 1230. In other news, Devon Energy to sell almost $1 billion in non-core upstream assets. Ocula Therapeutics' second phase three study missed primary endpoint. And AMG is buying asset company stakes from Goldman's Peters Hill for $800 million. Finally, some of your Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. Pilgrim's Pride and Tyson cut to market perform at BMO. AbbVie cut to market perform at Cowan. Harley-Davidson cut to neutral versus buy over at Goldman Sachs. And Walmart raised to buy over at Jefferies. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk Go in your terminal. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K Go. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Greatly appreciate that. Futures advance up five uh, right now. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Invesco. Looking for investment views? Invesco's high conviction Portfolio managers are just a click away. Go to Invesco.com slash U.S. to subscribe to the Invesco blog and follow at Invesco U.S. on Twitter. Michael, why don't you bring in our esteemed guest? This is after we survived Scott Mather on Friday. <laughs> well, you can never uh, you can never have too many people from PIMCO who are here <laughs> to uh, enlighten us. And uh, we're pleased that Rich Clarida is here because he brings the economic mo- – on this Monday after – the CFA test. He brings the DSGE model way of thinking to our program. Uh, and yet I want to ask you about communication strategy. We were talking about uh, the, the whole Woodford thing uh, and, and forward guidance. Uh, one of the problems the Fed has had is, uh, as you mentioned, getting markets to believe forward guidance. And there seems to be a feeling out there that uh, the Fed cannot move if the markets do not permit it. And uh, I would think she would want to push back against that. Yeah, I, th- I think she will. And as indeed, as we were discussing uh, off air, uh, Bill Dudley recently, when someone said, if you raise rates, it'll tighten financial conditions. And he correctly said, that's what raising rates does. It does tighten financial conditions uh, modestly, uh, certainly. So, uh, yes, I think I think Chair Yellen and the other members of the committee uh, will, will certainly want to, and I hope they do, indicate that data dependence is not in and of itself a policy, and their expectation is that they do need to raise rates, and they certainly don't want to be perceived as giving the markets or the People's Bank of China uh, you know, a veto over the rate hike path. But it is a delicate issue because they do depend on market expectations uh, to implement policy. 
Well, do they uh, continue to uh, sell forward the idea that rates are going to have to raise? How, how do they convince people that they mean it? Well, I think in part through repetition. So I lost count of the number of Fed officials in the last six weeks uh, who were on the tape, including Evans, who's con- Charlie Evans, my good friend, who's considered on the more dovish side. I think talking about a couple of rates, Williams, two or three uh, hikes. So I think part is just repetition. Arthur Burns yeah. uh, had a pipe in his hand. I, you know, maybe we'd do better if Janet Yellen had a pipe in her hand. <laughs> February of 1970 to March of 1978. Uh, before him, a guy named William McChesney Martin, who did pretty well, I, I would suggest, in history, and William Miller afterwards, who sort of was there as the gap pre-Volker, there was a measured window from 76 to 78. The charts, the Bloomberg chart, I'll put the chart out on Bloomberg Radio Plus. I want to go back to measured. Greenspan didn't invent measured. Measured is what we do to maintain control yeah. as an institution. Are Green- we going to get a measured speech today? Ah, okay. Well, Tom, using you know, the word measured has a couple of meanings. Are we going to? Oh, yes. I think I think we will get a measured speech because I think one thing we've discussed here a lot about Chair Yellen is she very jealously wants to have maximum optionality. So yes. she will certainly not want to. <clears throat> she will certainly, and I think, not want to flag a June hike, but she will not want to close the door to doing several hikes this year. So I think she's trying to navigate. She will have a measured uh, pace. But I want to get back to your earlier point. What, what Chair Greenspan did was essentially for the first time to communicate and the markets thought essentially commit to a measured pace of, right. of liftoff. So that was the innovation to Greenspan. He, Greenspan Versus was the father of forward guidance, not Ben Bernanke. I'll, I'll go with yeah. it, Mike, please. Well, I, I, bring in another one, Paul Volcker. He stood up to the markets. He said, "I don't care what you think. I'm yeah. going to raise rates until the cows come home." And yeah. uh, and they, you know, they they almost had, I mean, they had big protests outside but the Fed. The heart of this, and folks, this goes back to Magnum Decide LSE, who's coming at it totally different than Professor Clarida, much more holistically with a whole Marxist background and mm. and all that. Richard Clarida, if we establish measurement, does that? by definition imply a buildup of credit is everybody gets into the enthusiasm of the Yellen put or the Clarida put mm, yeah. and all of a sudden you've got a redux of a buildup in credit. Well, and, and, that, and, and I think I think that's always a risk. And in, in particular in the U.S. it's a more challenging problem than, for example, say in continental Europe and Japan. Uh, in Europe and Japan, essentially all credit in the economy is intermediated through banks, and, and banking is very concentrated. So if you can essentially either explicitly or implicitly <clears throat> nudge the bank, yeah, you essentially right. have Fair. In the U.S., most of our credit is intermediate outside of banks. So there always is a risk in the U.S. system of having low rates as triggering excesses in credit markets. Now, I don't believe that we're in that situation broadly. The Fed, I think, doesn't believe it. But that certainly is, is a risk. And I think many Fed officials said one reason they want to get off zero. I think, I think Mr. Kaplan said that the other day from Dallas. One reason to get off zero is the risk of those excesses at, at zero rates. Do you think, do you think they're serious? Well, they're already off zero. I think they're serious in intending to. No, I mean the consequences. Oh, well, certainly in the extreme case uh, where you would have a replay of 08, it would, it would be very, very, very uh, serious. As again, I think there are a lot of differences with 08 in particular <laughs> with regards to uh, the banking system and also with, re- with regard to the plumbing of the, of the credit markets through repo and, and central clearing uh, and the like. But, of course, we always need to remember that generals are quite good at fighting the last war. 
So I'm very confident in the next downturn, whenever it is, will not look like 08, but it right. could look like something else. And that's the danger. Mike, I'm going to turn after Lockhart and after Yellen to page 352 of Woodford's interest in prices and read about optimal price setting with endogenous capital. I think that'll get it done. Somebody's got to do it. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Coming up, the With All Due Respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com. Call 1-800-FIND-4WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond.